sure I'll think of something. <laughs> Kirstie Alley. Treasure. Treasure. Yeah. Word association. Kristen Stewart. Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. Sorry. Kirsten Stewart is also a treasure. But not in this not film. Not on this film at I'm all. I'm now yeah. going to list the people that are in this film that are treasures. <laughs> Amy Dunst, Adams. Amy Adams. Brittany Murphy. The list goes on. I Allison mean, Janney. Allison, Allison Janney. Janney. Man, Dog. I love her. Adam West. Adam West. Adam West. You know, well done, Adam, Adam West. West. Take, poking fun at yourself. And I mean, surely he has He's not note. canceled, right? He, we, no. nobody, He's dead, so. Yeah, exa- <laughs> well, I was going to say, did it after, <laughs> that's, I knew, that, that, after he ult- died. That's like the ultimate cancellation, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's how you really do it. I mean, who knows what him and Burt Ward got him? Is that how you really cancel so you no, killed? Is that you what wait you till they're dead. You wait till they're dead and shit all over their legacy. That's what I would do. I, you know, people are always saying, don't speak ill of the dead. And I say, when else are you going to speak bad about them? That's when you get to finally, Exactly. Right? Uh, but I mean, Adam West, there's an Adam West joke that, you know, he yeah. makes a pass at the girls or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I assume that he's aware of that being in the script and laughed and thought that was yeah. funny. Yeah, you know, it's good a good like, oh, make a very old man joke about me. Good job. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I thought, yeah. It's a fun bit. This well really does exist. We we mentioned very briefly, uh, but I'm a cheerleader last week. And this film, this Aesthetically. film, that film, and the film Saved yeah. sort of are this triumvirate of late 90s, early aughts, like... Well, I mean, American Slum of Beverly Hills, too, fits in there. Uh, does it really? Real hard. Nah, yeah. Real nice. hard. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I need to see Slums of Beverly Man, Hills. Man, it was fun. Yeah, I really you dug actually, it. You caught up with it this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. It was on awesome. the next... It was like, what else you'll like on I saw that, Drop yeah. Dead Gorgeous? I, oh, added to my I always get this confused with Sugar and Spice, I think, which is the same writer, actually. Oh, oh that's yeah? awesome. Yeah. Um, which I haven't seen. Who's one of the judges. She's the... Oh, cool. Female judge. That's awesome. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, Sugar and Spice is a film that I mentioned to yeah. somebody being like, you should watch Drop Dead Gorgeous. And then Jawbreaker is kind of the other one, right? Yes, yes. Jawbreaker is another one. And these, In that same vein. I always confuse Jawbreaker <laughs> with Hard Candy. Well, in Jawbreaker... Different jar- movie. Drastically yeah. different movie. Yes. And Jawbreaker's <laughs> feels more in the Heather's vein okay. than, you know, sort of the saved, but a mature They're all vein. around that same time It's a Venn frame, diagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, of teen movies that are like... Counter... A, Countercultural teen movies, yeah. Counter to uh, American Pie and yes. that ilk of the well, 90s. Well, and that's where, think, like, in a world where this and But I'm a Cheerleader are more successful than American Big Pie. Big box office yeah, like, yeah. What happens to world. culture? Yeah, I'm desperate for it. So, hello everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Honor Cast. We gather around a table and we talk about the 90s. Or we talk about the films you'll never discuss in a film studies course, and oftentimes talk about the 90s. And we're going to be talking about a 1990s film in Drop Dead Gorgeous, uh, which is a good time, uh, talking about a beauty pageant and uh, the madness of a mockumentary made around that. I am still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. And I'm still Dalton. And we're so glad to be here talking about this movie, but we want to warn you, dear listeners, this is not a review show. It is an analysis show. And that means we're going to tell you how it ends. We're going to tell you who wins, but not yet. And who gets murdered. Uh, we will talk about who gets murdered. <laughs> that might come up sooner, um, th- because we have progressive spoilers in this film for those who haven't watched the movie. Yeah, it's sort of a tiered system. A tiered system of spoilage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> plundering and spoilers. Yeah, at the diamond package, you only get like some spoilers. You know, sort of what happens in the film, and that'll happen around the synopsis that Arthur's that, going to give correct. you. That's correct. Yeah, and what happens at the gold level, you get sort of more moderate spoilers, and that's that's around uh, expanding the syllabus. Is when we get to that section of the show, you can sort of expect a gold tier level of spoiler. And then for our true fans and loved ones, uh, the bronze package, (laughs) uh, when we get down to business time, it's all spoilers, baby. And yeah, this is sort of how our system works. We we were encouraging less loyalty. For our bronze lovers. <laughs> that's that's great. Well, thank you very much for ch- explaining that for us, uh, Dalton. That Happy was a good time. That was a good time. So, Arthur, are you prepared with a syllabus for us for Drop Dead Gorgeous? You mean a synopsis? A synopsis. What did I say? A syllabus? A syl- I've uh, got both, but which well, do you want? I, I want a synopsis okay. right now. Uh, other I'm Gre- prepared for whatever there, you throw my of, way. lots of Greek words right now in my head, and I don't know what I'm doing. To commemorate the 50th anniversary of the Sarah Rose-sponsored American Teen Princess Beauty Pageant, a documentary crew is sent to Mount Rose, Minnesota to follow the contestants in the lead-up to the contest. That's correct. Um, Not far from Moose Fart, Minnesota, I'm sure. Um, Probably not. uh, Anyhow, uh, yes, that is the movie. That's what happens. Um, Who are the Virgin Watchers? All of us. All of us are. Excellent. Well, I go to you first, Arthur. Do you like Drop Dead Gorgeous? No, I love it. Uh, <laughs> I, I well done. I was cackling within the opening minutes. Um, 
as we jump from Kirstie Alley and Frau Farbisno's over eager Lutheran uh, introduction to <laughs> the pageant to the uh, mayor's commemorative rant about the oldest now dead living Lutheran. Uh, I'm just cackling and it doesn't stop for me. Joe committed, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it comes out More with a than. flurry of punches and doesn't stop for all 12 rounds. Did you watch with Keisha? No. You watched by yourself? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Go on. Both times. Uh, you watched it twice. Yeah, I watched it again today. Hell that's, yeah, Pam. That's commitment. I love it, man. I This is going to enter into a atmosphere, a stratosphere of comedy for me that's going to go back to. I already love mockumentary. I love The Office. And this really feels like it's foreshadowing a lot of, probably more so uh, Gervais's David Brent's office, mm-hmm. rather, and some of the early American office as well. Um, but also some of the satire of, say, Arrested Development. I mean, it's really got its finger on the pulse, I think, of a certain style of comedy that's coming down the pipe. Uh, obviously, it's playing with themes and stuff from Reiner and Guess and, or, yeah. Yeah, Guess. Um, as in their kind of tradition of mockumentary. But also, it is kind of shifting towards a style of humor that's on the horizon, I think, in a more mainstream way. Um, but it's a flop, you know, and so... Nobody really sees it then, but it has become a cult classic, and I get it. I understand. Um, it's in that South Park style of nothing's off the table, nothing's out of grasp. I mean, no holds barred, anything goes for better or worse. Um, and I like that more than, say, the mean punching down style of um, Seth MacFarlane mm-hmm. that he gets to in Family Guy. Family Guy, jeez. I was thinking American Dad, um, which I've not seen, but regardless. We can assume it's the same. Yeah. Uh, same you know, there's that. this kind of everybody's up to be made fun of nature to South Park, which gets a little more grace for me than just kind of the mean-spirited humor of something like McFarlane's work, mm. um, especially in those later years where he's just punching down, I think, to punch down. Uh, there are, I mean, honestly, the Will Sasso stuff here is the one thing that is hard to forgive. It's pretty rough, I mean, dude. it's bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's unfortunate because everything else feels like it works for me, even if mm-hmm. it is, you know, it's it's playing in satires, playing in caricature. And I think it's all funny. I think it's got its viewfinder on and targeting a lot that's going on in America, rural America, conservative America, Republic America, uh, small towns. I grew up in these towns. I've known some of these people, right? The Lutheran. Uh, Sisters Gun Club <laughs> that hangs a gun on the cross uh, speaks volumes about our country, uh, and unfortunately so. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. I do. You know, the only the major qualm outside of the Will Sasso thing, which really does kind of ding it for me, is really what holds it back. I think from really being a perfect comedy for me uh, is is some pacing stuff because it feels like the natural end is after uh, the Mount Rose contest, and Correct. then we get two more after that. But there's a lot of climactic buildup that happens right there. And I thought that was the end. And yeah, then there's some more after. Yeah, we get an extended epilogue. It's kind of surprising. Uh, yeah. And so there's some fun bits. You know, forget a, co- forget a <laughs> doctor wait. call an exorcist. Dog, I can't wait till we get to talk about this epilogue in more detail. <laughs> what a bananas ending. Uh, but like I said, I mean, it comes out swinging. It's nonstop flurries of punches from the get-go. And just like in boxing, there's some hits and there's some misses. Uh, but for me, it's a lot more hits than misses. I think it's hilarious. We've already spoke to the power of this cast. All of them are on board. They're all game. They're all having fun. Uh, I love it. I think it's smart. I think it's sharp. I think it's pinpointing some stuff that's probably more relevant today uh, than it was 20 years ago, 25 years ago. So here we are. I love it. Very good. Very good. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart. Sorry, more of the same, you old fuddy-duddy. I fucking love this joint. Uh, I'm right there with Arthur. This is this is an instant classic. Yeah, I, I it makes sense that this has a cult following. Uh, I've been wanting to get around to this for years, and it did not disappoint. True Americana, dude. Like, this, this movie understands this country at a deep, profound level. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately... That means it's also really ableist, and it's kind of a, a bummer. And yeah. Arthur's already mentioned that. And yeah. Yeah. You know, the film is trying to talk about a, a, re- a very real phenomenon that was a real problem in the '90s. Uh, I don't know. Some of I, most of our listeners were probably alive for it, but boy, you couldn't get away from the R word in the '90s. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, schoolyard. Yeah, terminal. It, I mean, it, it's just, it was, it is it was just right a, there with stupid and idiot. You yeah, know, I mean, yeah, okay. saying, yeah. It's a synonym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and this movie is like trying to do something about that. But it misses the mark. Yeah. Yeah. It's the one thing that just feels mean for the sake of punch, you know, punching down for the sake of punching down. Yeah. It just never works in any no. way. No. 
It, it like it really stops us from being a full five star because you can't even say like only the bad people use that word because some yes. of the good people use it as well yeah it, good that character does get kind of a joyful end yeah for himself i think <laughs> i think with, you're right without saying more yeah he's he's very tom cullen in his this is another character from the 90s and uh the stephen king's a saying tom cullen m-o-n m-o-o-n spells tom cullen uh is that edward's cousin <laughs> maybe <laughs> But anyway, so go ahead. Yeah, just, uh, I don't know, a big miss. The only like comedy age is like milk. There's a very important text from the odds called uh, Tropic Thunder, which speaks to the problem going on here. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. One of the seminal (laughs) comedy texts, honestly. And yeah, Will Sasso is just, yeah, doing doing too much. Uh, but boy, does yeah, this movie's so funny, dude. Uh, it just as Arthur said, like it comes out of the gate so strong, and it just never lets up, and it it just like never stabilizes. It's just constant insanity, and the film is just like revealing new levels of chaos to you at all times, mm-hmm. and it just like uh, it continues to like up the stakes, up the ante, uh, and you know never loses sight of being. I don't know, a human story. Like I think it cares about these characters, and Arthur, you've you've kind of other than doing a real bad by uh, Will Sasso's character. I think it like genuinely has love for even some of its villains. You know, it, I think it cares about the people of this town as much as it like despises them at the same time. And I think that that is like kind of the true magic of this film is like it, it gets this, this cognitive dissonance, this duality in American culture that is so, so fundamental to kind of like our, our key problems as a country. Uh, you know, this, this, this pull it's been there since the beginning between like democracy and not not just like democracy in in terms of voting but i mean like real true like egalitarian you know pursuit of happiness like high-minded ideals bullshit and at the same time you have like a reactionary force that says no some people are more equal than others actually and and that tension's just always there has has always been there and i think this movie like without ever making uh any gestures towards saying we have a big point to make i think it makes a big point and that's sort of the real tricky needle to thread with satire is if it's too clear what point you're making or that you're too invested in making a point it all just kind of falls flat Mm -hmm. uh i'm looking at things like don't look up you know yeah 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 whereas this just as you said, like it, it's got everybody in its crosshairs because it's, it knows nobody is free of no one is innocent. Mm-hmm. Everyone is kind of an asshole here. Uh, even, you know, you know, good hearted Kirsten Dunst is still like operating from a place of ego uh, mm-hmm. and is still going to make mistakes. Yeah. And and yet, like there's going to be friendship and camaraderie and there, people are going to take care of each other. And in spite of a upper class that is like trying to get them to to fight amongst themselves uh wow great movie uh, i'm so glad we watched it I, I can't think of anything bad to say about it other than the stuff that's you know comedy aging like milk stuff um dustin i've seen your letterboxed i know you did not care for this film very much no. this week the role of arthur will be played by dustin <laughs> hi everybody my name's arthur gordon and i am not gonna say anything now uh, <laughs> but no i i don't care for cringe comedy so you mentioned the office which is fine. I feel like The Office is fine. And that's how I feel about this. This movie's fine. You know, it, it doesn't get the, like the sort of super one-star burn or whatever. It's, I think I gave two and a half stars. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, which is like, it's just, I, I guess that's by definition mid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so to, to go back from a rating that Arthur gave last week. It's, it is okay. I think if I'd watched with any company... It would have been fun. Mm-hmm. I, I remember leaving the movie. My wife had just gotten back from a long trip, and so I'd watched by myself, and it was late at night. And uh, just as I was just as I was finishing the movie, she came in, and I said, "I just watched a bananas movie." And I mean, I feel like it is it is it is beautifully anarchic in that sense. It yes. is absolutely bananas, but it's also very very hard playing in that cringe comedy kind of um, tenor. Yeah, and I I'm, I'm not a huge fan of cringe. That's fair. You know, I don't really go in for 
either version of the office but i also am like you know a pretty big disciple of i think you should leave which plays in that space okay mm-hmm. uh but it's is, is much more about the absurdist angle right which i think this is kind of on that wavelength so i mean for me as a as a viewer it's it's not really hitting on my wavelength did i laugh yes do i find it funny do i find it incisive and insightful yes do i find performances to be great yes i mean all that kind of stuff that as far as the craft the movie goes it all does all those things but it doesn't resonate you know with me in the same way that other films do and there are other films that are sort of taking on uh americana there are other films that are excoriating the american you know past there are other you know movies that are doing similar kinds of things that i'd seen before Mm -hmm. that i like better uh had i seen it on a different day less tired with friends I might have a very, very different experience for it, but the the experience I, that I'm working off of goes, it was very fine. Um, I I felt like they did Tammy dirty. I feel like they do Amy Adams dirty. I they do Amy Adams a little dirty. Uh, Tammy gets done dirty, but that's because it's it's part of the plot. It's part of the plot, yeah. But it, I wanted more of that character, quite honestly. I, yeah. I, was, like, I was like, you I, just you never know, recovered from the loss of Tammy. I was like, oh man, give me some more Tammy because I want to see her doing this thing, like and refusing to play the game. Like, give me that tomboy doing that thing. That would be a good time. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't get it, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not mad at the movie for not doing that, but I just. G. Willikers Batman. I just didn't want that to happen all of a sudden. It was just, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah, I getcha. Um, for me, uh, I wanted more Adam West, quite frankly, uh, doing uh, sort of evil William Shatner uh, from yeah. this congeniality. Uh, that would have been a good time. Uh, so yeah, there, there, there are other, there are other beauty pageant movies. There are other, uh, Americana take up movies. There are others for these teenage, uh, Elseworlds kind of films that exist that I had seen and I'd liked already. And this was just more of that. And it, in, in, so in, in no way was it just leaves and bounds beyond mm-hmm. any of it. And so I was like, well, okay, you're doing that thing. Fine. So that's, I mean, you know, it's, okay. it's, it's like, it's low energy. It's not, it's, it's not, it's not like I have like the fury of a thousand suns at the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, it's just, okay. You, you just kind of bounced off of yeah, it. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Yeah. Or bounced off of me. Yeah. It's probably yeah. a better way to say it. Yeah. So, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I did laugh. I think I laughed out loud more than six times. As is your, yeah. we'll take it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, yeah, I laughed, but not much. So there you go, dear listener. Um, our thoughts are generally pro. But to pro to mid, there you go. Um, well, some of us are correct. <laughs> some of us see farther and understand culture at a deeper level. I will bind you with my ancient logics. <laughs> Dalton, the next part of the show is expanding the syllabus. Can you explain to the dear listener what that's all about? Yeah, so next we're going to do what would happen if a film professor came up to you and said, shut up, I'm going to make you watch Drop Dead Gorgeous. And you might be wondering why this film professor is accosting you, and that's because... <laughs> They have very little else to do. Not many people are knocking on their door to take these classes anymore. So no. you never know when you're going to find a rogue film professor trying to make you watch something. He's not wrong. <laughs> He's not wrong at all. And that's what we're going to do I now. I personally attacked. Yeah, <laughs> I am. I am attacking both of you. <laughs> it's okay. uh, be clear. Uh, uh, yeah. So we're going to program a class. It doesn't have to be a film studies class, although that is typically where the avenue we go down. Uh, but we're going to program classes, each of us, a, a syllabus that in- includes Drop Dead Gorgeous, but also brings in other films and other stories uh, and other ideas. And, and just kind of, again, is a general syllabus outline for a class that would prominently feature Drop Dead Gorgeous. What if you talked about the films you would never discuss in a film studies course in a film studies type way? That's right. Uh, thank you very much for that. Do you come prepared with the syllabus, Dalton? Yeah, I just want to talk about mockumentaries. I know it's you know it's the easy Do way it. out, Do but it. they're just fun, man. And they Arthur's are Ar- Arthur's already mentioned Reiner, uh, who does spi- this is Spinal Tap, uh, and Christopher Guest, who's just got like a ridiculous hit run of you know like five. I mean, he goes mighty. I can't remember the exact release order, but it's Mighty Wind for your consideration and Best in Show, like all within like five years of each other. Uh, some of those films are better than others, but they're all pretty solid. And uh, I'm, you know, Guffman, waiting for Guffman. I've not caught up with, but I know is sort of even though it's not fully a mockumentary, I know it kind of gets included in in that canon of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have mentioned on this show before uh, the CB CB four uh, with uh, Chris Rock, which is about this hip hop group who like goes to prison for something kind of silly and comes out and like it makes their, their image much more harder. Uh, yeah, a very interesting movie, and of course, my beloved pop star Never Stop Never Stopping. Again, all of Connor. these. Yeah, <laughs> you know he's so humble. Is what so people humble. don't get about Connor. <laughs> 
His apple crumble is the crumbliest. <laughs> uh, all of these... <laughs> All of these films are like I, I don't I I just love a mockumentary as as Arthur said there's something kind of special about this format. Uh, we probably talk about sort of the the spate of TV show mockumentaries. You know, the, the offices is uh, your modern's family, uh, so on and Parks so forth. And Parks and, and Rec, Abbott Elementary, and and of course uh, you know um, Arrested Development to uh, you know is less directly in that space, but it's is very using, adjacent exactly correct yeah. is yeah. using documentary style like camera techniques yep. to kind of get. Pres- provide a vibe yeah uh but but i i think that vibe that sort of the unreality of the fake documentary like sort of brings you into a new world that's that is askew and it's sort of like i think provides the audience with a little bit more buy-in and maybe this isn't you know there's not enough meat here for this to be its own class maybe it is just a module in a larger class about the studio comedy you know, where, where you'd look at your action comedies, your rom-coms, your mockumentaries, and, and sort of your, your other permutations of, of sub economy subgenre. Yeah. And maybe that would be the better way to tackle this. But I think all of these movies, like, they, they line up with each other because mockumentaries are always interested in trying to get at something about the real world. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all creating this elaborate fantasy land with heightened rules to to say something about the world that the film was made in mm-hmm. and i think all of these films do that to varying degrees um and, and all have you know whether it's the film industry and a couple quite a few of these are about the music industry uh or small town americana in the case of our this week's film i, I think they're all trying to you know as we said like have something to say and and walk that tightrope of not you know beating the drum too hard mm-hmm. uh because you know i i'm not like everybody uh yeah, i'm sorry to say i'm built different that was weird i like a didactic movie <laughs> are you built different? i'm built different i like didactic <laughs> you, movies you needed that phrase yeah. from the uh, kids again yeah when when uh when spike lee yells at me in his movies i go thanks spike i needed i needed this part of the movie actually mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's it's not a great look for a satire or a mockumentary. And I, I think that all the films that I listed, except just Spinal Tap, which I, I've yet to cup, catch up with, unfortunately. That's a good time. I know. I'm excited to, to get to it someday. But all, all the other films like are definitely existing in the space of like what trying to say something without being too annoying about it. And I think that's really hard for a film to do, uh, especially, you know, these these satires, because I'm. I'm sure we could if we if we sat here for a second and thought about it, we'd come up with a lot of movies that kind of try to work in the space and don't work quite as well. So, yeah, that, that's what I'm interested in this week. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton. Sir. Mr. Arthur Gordon, do you have a syllabus prepared? Yeah. So uh, I think this would be fun. And I've kind of thought about this before is just uh, a class about movies about America American culture, things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think we could do uh, a section kind of riffing on the idea of Americana, and this is an idea Dalton kind of passed to me. Uh, so we might call this Proud to be an American. That could be the theme, or a Mare I Can, one <laughs> of the Mayor two. Mare I Can. Um, yeah. my, my favorite theme. Uh, but we'd start with uh, Bobcat Goldthwait's God Bless America, uh, a movie uh, skewering several ideas, but one that we did on the show several years Forever ago. Forever ago, yeah. Now, I don't know if it's still in the ether or not. But I don't know. I'm dumb as hell back then. I wouldn't recommend you listen to it. <laughs> I'm like 23 Spoiler max. alert, yeah. Dalton. Um from there, we probably talk about He Got Game, another one we have an episode about. Uh, but opens with this very Americana-filled montage, uh, which then takes us into a much different movie uh, from there. And I think the way Spike plays with ideas of the American dream and what that looks like and what that is are really interesting. Um, I think to kind of just pick apart some of the other kind of smaller tr- threads in uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous, we'd start taking movies that hone in on certain elements. So I think we're talking uh, religion and, and Christianity and all of those elements. I think we're going to take a look at dogma and saved. Uh, mm. We've already name dropped saved, but both of these do. Dogma a, we've got a show on too. Yeah. You know, yeah. just running down the and list. And we'll definitely get to saved at some point. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Probably. Yes. Uh, a movie I love dearly, but um, you know, a couple of movies that really just skewer American Christianity, American uh, conser- uh, evangelicalism and religion and Catholicism. Uh, and a lot of good times to be had with both of those. Uh, we're talking about uh, the way the companies and government run our world. I think we'd take a look at They Live. 
Uh, we take a look at John Carpenter. We take a look at Roddy Piper and Keith David and have some fun with that. Uh, we talk about the American dream and suburbia. I think we got to talk about Blue Velvet and David Lynch and the way he skewers the inner workings of the private lives, which is very integral to what's going on in Drop Dead Gorgeous as well. Uh, I think kind of talking about big businesses and, and the way they dictate the way things happen, we'd look at Thank You for Smoking from Jason Reitman, uh, which looks at big tobacco and uh, the way in which it works with the plays with the government. Uh, I think we're talking about stardom and fame and ego and celebrity. We're going to look at X and Pearl mm. as oh, well nice. and deal with that. And then finally, I think we're talking about an onslaught of just no holds barred flurries of punches. We're going to talk about assassination nation as well. Mm -hmm. And that's where we would end. Uh, but all of these kind of look at different elements of Americana and the ideas inseated in our culture and society and skewer them and lampoon them and take shots at them. And I think it would be a, uh, a fascinating time. That'd be a doozy of a class. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's fun. A lot of, a lot of, uh, thematic and, uh, uh, whiplash uh, yeah. there. Very good, very good. Um, so for my syllabus, what I would do is I would actually play off the thesis that Dalton has been establishing over the past few months. Years. Years yeah, at this point. Yeah, yeah. I've been beating this drum for a while. I just, I just feel like it, we've mentioned it more often uh, in the yeah, it's kind more of come back recent recently. past, uh, is that the 90s are the 50s. Mm -hmm. And uh, these, particularly these 90s films that take the 50s on specifically. And so uh, I thought for that we might do something like a Drop Dead Gorgeous, which, again, is sort of a very, very 50s sort of uh, view of the beauty pageant and those kind of things. And then from there, uh, you might look at, but I'm a cheerleader because I think it very much sort of connects yeah. to a kind of 50s, kind of Mayberry-esque kind of life and world uh from there i would i think that a discussion of pleasantville was required the sort of obvious biggie on the eye chart there uh for that and then moving forward to 2001 but you know those decades are a little more porous than we like to admit uh sometimes bubble boy nice. with uh, jake gyllenholm yeah um, what a movie uh, which again, it, it, I'm thinking about those uh, Jesus fish shaped cookie cutters, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, some of those other images that connected that, and then Blast from the Past. I wondered, yep. yeah, that was yeah, that yeah. also came to mind. It, yeah, is, is a film that comes to mind as well yep. uh, for that, which are again a lot of fish out of water. Kind of the 90s are not the 50s, and then the, the way in which they're sort of these particular filmmakers are trying to jerk this 90s crowd up into the present. But um, there might be some room in a class like this for some period pieces of the 1950s. Uh, I, I thought a lot about Jason Priestley's Calendar Girl, mm. uh, which is, you know, very sort of 90s mm. uh, kind of uh, TV A-listers in a 50s film. The Sandlot does something yeah, along again, these lines. This is like set in 62, but again, as we say, decades are kind of, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's early porous. 60s. Yeah, yeah. The early 60s basically is the 50s. And then Stand By Me um, came to mind as well mm -hmm. as another 90s movie set in the 1950s in which, uh, again, Stephen King is sort of like exploring his memories of the 50s and sort of trying to uh, see into his darker underbelly uh, for that. I think The World of David Lynch is also sort of a, probably not something I'd assign, but bits of Twin Peaks, bits of Blue Velvet, in which that sort of 50s Americana is sort of inserted into the 90s a little bit there, uh, although Blue Velvet's 1987, but nonetheless, it's sort of in the, again, yep. the poorest decades here. But that would be, again, a module in a course on American history, kind of an imaginary witness, but not just like the Holocaust, but like to the whole of uh, pop culture through various sort of filters uh, might be the way in which I would deploy that. Yeah, kind you're of cultivating class. a movie mindset. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so that's what I'm thinking about. You're trying there. to take them to the desert of the real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's all made up. Uh, so there you go, dear listener. Your syllabus has got much longer, I believe. Now, now, <clears throat> now, it's time we get down to business. It's business. It's business time. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's business. It's That's right, dear listener. And that business is, as always, analysis. Well, guys, what do you want to do? What's your pleasure, fellas? Uh, beauty pageants suck. Jesus loves winners. Yeah, boy, Jeez. does he. Let's. Yeah, you do want to talk about prosperity gospel? I was going to say guns, guns, God, and glory. Those were that was number How one. What was the, the uh, score Man, on the when Denise I'm, Richards dances with the cross guys? 
funniest thing in the world. Dude, it's so funny. I I can't take my under the couch. I was, you know, as that scene is kind of queuing up. The first time I watched it, it hit me. I was like, oh, she's going to be terrible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then you combine that with the dance. Oh, it's glorious. That's so great. And Denise Richards kills it. Yeah, she, she really she's does. great. She is great. I don't know if anybody else on earth could do it. She's just like, I. Her, she's also really funny in a couple of she's episodes. She's so straight, but it's. Yeah. So straight, yeah, dude. that yeah. it works somehow. It's so pretty, yeah. It yeah. made me think of her 30 Rock episodes mm. where she's similarly kind of just very straight laced and like. Playing the the dumbest uh, straight man that you've ever seen. You know, I've, yeah. I've barely seen Denise Richards. I mean, the main thing I remind, remember her from is being a Bonez in um, Starship Troopers. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And so, like, it, she's in a Bond movie. Well, she comes. Yeah, I was wild reading, things. I was reading kind of an essay about this earlier, and they mentioned you know she's coming right off the success of Wild or the notoriety of Wild Things mm-hmm. here, which I've never seen. Yeah, you dig it. I think. Yeah, you love an erotic thriller. It's I right do like around. a good erotic thriller. Is it, is it a good erotic thriller? It's got those things. Bad it's a recently. trashy. It's yeah, erotic thriller. I know that's its reputation. Is it's very trashy and it's sort of people are mixed on it. Okay, my understanding of its reputation. So, I think it would probably lean more. I'm not saying it's good as because I haven't seen either recently enough, but it probably leans more towards Basic Instinct than it does that thing you were telling me about. Oh, the Shannon Tweed yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it's kind of a '90s almost teen erotic thriller you know it's like weird to the anyway doesn't matter but she's coming off of that she's becoming kind of a household name at that point and so mm-hmm. she's here to kind of not only skewer herself but ultimately <laughs> goes down in flames of glory right but uh yeah. yeah i mean she does nail it so well in in that moment but your what what are your other reactions to the dancing with jesus I well, I just hated it. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it completely makes it. This is the, she takes up the cross and carries it off stage. It's the pander. It's such a good bit. That's what it is. Uh, to me, I, the, the main thing I thought about with that particular moment, and really all of Denise Richards' character, yeah, is that particular kind of pander, uh, like a political twenty first century, yeah. Kind of pandering. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I know but that people works. want it. And so I will do my two Corinthians this way. Uh, that's that's the thing that it seems that she's doing. Yeah. Well, she even has the great what I think it's is in the interview where they ask her what kind of tree would she be, and yes. she's talking about like I don't know a good Christian one with uh, yeah a good God fearing tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just, it never stops. It's always. And I think even on. her Mount Rushmore thing she gets into it as well when she's talking about only in America could you take an ugly old mountain and put a bunch of great men on it. Oh. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I mean, that, I mean, yeah, that pandering of you, you tote your Bible mm-hmm. and you say the right things mm-hmm. and you get where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so there's a real sort of Lauren Boebert vibe here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's a real gosh, I don't even know how to describe what I'm trying to say here, but it, it, it's it, just part of this whole morass that we've been watching unfold for the last Almost a decade now. Yeah, and it, but it also there's a, the fundamental misunderstanding of the source material that is also part of this particular kind of pander. It's not like you sort of like find a way to drop a Bible verse. And you know, George W. Bush would do something like this, where he would find a good verse out of Isaiah and uh, not not necessarily misuse it, if that makes sense. Um, but it's right for the moment. It's right for the moment. You know, he would. It, it, there, there, there seemed to be in Bush's speechwriters an understanding of evangelicalism. Yeah, right. Yeah. That that was there. This is again, God loves winners, and that no, that the whole point is that in his weakness, you know, I mean, the the, the sort of um, the you catastrophe that uh, Tolkien talks about with the gospel that out of this disaster is how victory is won that uh, rather than doing the Caesar thing Jesus does something different right that, yeah. that, that's sort of strong... well you run the race well and the last shall be first right yeah 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 which is not quite Jesus loves winners Jesus loves winners and you know if he <laughs> came I back today to win. and if he came back today <laughs> he'd to surround himself with leaders and winners so he can make the most impact like he did uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I'm I say, you know, I'm just saying things that I hear people say. <laughs> correct, Sorry. Correct. I mean, and so I, I, I really appreciate. Again, I, I was like, again, I wanted to crawl under my couch because it just made me so uncomfortable. It just like spots a thing that's barely being birthed, right? You know, yeah. like 
Jesus men, camp, yeah. Jesus so, camp hasn't come out yet. No, nobody knows it how feels like it's, dire it's getting. Yeah, it feels like it's forecasting. It is. It really does. Yeah, yeah. totally. Wild way. Yeah, and that, and well, in another Denise Richards, you know, in this the way that Starship Troopers kind of forecasts Afghanistan and Iraq, yeah. like mm-hmm. this film, like really does kind of forecast, like you know, the, the culture war has been going strong throughout the nineties. Sure. It has, and like, yeah. you know, and, and the evangelical political contingent has been a, a force to be reckoned with since, you know, the silent majority and Reagan and, you know, this is all going on, but it doesn't like, it's, it's really incredible. the Bush era. It hasn't the internet yet. Yeah. The internet hits, the Bush era hits, yeah. Q hits, like these things are all interrelated mm-hmm. and it's, it's just weird. Yeah, it's it really weird. Is. And again, the, the way in which it turns on itself, I mean, you can look at Ronald Reagan's city on a hill speech, mm-hmm. right? Which is not exactly what Jesus means by the city on the hill in the sermon on the Mount. However, it is, it, it, it it's not an utterly inappropriate usage. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not utterly inappropriate. This is utterly inappropriate usage, and it yeah. anticipates that kind of thing that's going on. This completely sort of just outside the pale kind of, and blew my blew my hair back. You know, it really was amazing and disturbing uh, to watch there. And so, yeah, I, I I love Denise Richards' character. Love hate hate love. Mm-hmm. I don't know the. Uh... The scene early on where it's, you know, it's kind of introducing you to all the contestants and Denise is at the gun range and, you know, talks about getting the uh, the, the nine mil for her 13th birthday. And I references, uh, you know, prayer right as she's like finishing up her little thing about her nine mil. It's just so funny. Right. And so just like these two very God guns and gravy. kind. Of- it's just I don't I don't understand how the circle gets squared, Dustin. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I'm always putting you in the position of making you explain American Christians to me. I know you don't. Yeah. I know you pass. Well, we don't talk about this very often, but you do pastor. Mm-hmm. And you pastor at a place that is not sort of swept up in some of these these same no, we terrible don't, things. We don't, we don't play at this nonsense. No, no. but it's, I, don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know how you get the guy with the loaves and the fishes and the, and the camel through the eye of a needle. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you take that guy... And get to AR-15s are are my right. The, the, the turn the other cheek guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's I don't understand how it happened. This I, I will come back. It's, is it? It's, is it just all wrapped up in the apocalyptic language of Revelation? I, I is don't it all just, just coming back with the sword shit? I think it's less the revelation because the sword comes out of his mouth anyway. It's not even there in Revelation. The, uh, okay. the sword is a, his word is what what destroys us. Is like by the way, this is what I said. Yeah, and you didn't do it. So even then, the language doesn't give itself over I think that it kind comes of in the fifth gospel called the constitution <laughs> well, I, I, well I, I think it is the the fusion of it's constantinian christianity yeah it, it is what a lot of theologians call it. this idea when constantine makes christianity the official religion of the roman empire and this fusing of the cross and the sword Just which is i mean literally state, state power the vision yeah. of that shotgun uh <laughs> as the crossbar of the cross yeah uh, of the lutheran girls gun club so funny. what is it lutheran what is it i got it wrong lutheran sister Lut- lutheran sisterhood gun club yes yeah, i think like that yeah. yeah everything has the funniest name because i mean that's another like key comedy writing point of this is like they really the just of everything. they picked the funniest name yeah. for everything mm-hmm. yeah the, <laughs> the sarah rose teen princess what is it again arthur when you american write... teen princess <laughs> but it, but it turns out any ideology if it is a majority ideology mm-hmm. can be always put in the service of authoritarianism can always put in the service of just maintaining whatever the status quo happens to be mm-hmm. and so any ideology can be misused in this sense and so christianity is no different in that sense there's, there's nothing special about it in that sense in which it can be um piggybacked into you know disastrous kind of consequences like that so yeah well we could stay here all day so we we absolutely have to move on uh we just got done with a lot of movies that dealt with gender dynamics Mm -hmm. in american culture uh and you know last week in french culture uh and and sort of in fiction yeah this is the girl's only way out the boys have a couple ways out they got hockey and prison yeah Well, and I, I want to walk I back. At that yeah, one. that's a good. One. I want to walk yeah. back something I said earlier about you know Kristen Dunst's character being ego driven, uh, and I you know I just said that because of her like Diane Sawyer you know newscaster, but like yeah. it's just because that's what she sees as you know the only model she has is 
Diane, Diane Sawyer. Sawyer. Yeah. And her mom. Yeah. It, and her it's, mom. It's their limited experience of the world, I yeah. think, is yeah. more yeah. what that, that speaks to than anything else. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. That's what a success looks like to her. Speaking of. Which her is mom. small town America. I mean, mm-hmm. you either get out on a sports scholarship or you're working at the factory. And I did not look up the history of Diane Sawyer, but I do think one of the theses of the film is that the way in which we talk about that sort of American dream, you know, trailer park to, mm-hmm. you know, million dollar mansion, McMansion kind of home mm-hmm. uh, success story. Um, the movie is making a joke of and also pointing out that it is absolutely dumb luck that people escape that kind of thing. That they're, the material circumstances are she plays runner up and then the first place winner accidentally is murdered. And then she goes to state and everyone Get salmonella poisoning. Yeah, well, the first place winner isn't murdered. It is learned that she is a murderer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Her mother is at an accomplice right? too. Yeah, an accomplice to murder. Yeah, why? Well, she hasn't learned that. Her, <laughs> she is a victim of her yeah. mother. Yeah, no kidding. Because you were supposed to be there. <clears throat> yeah, oinks. Yeah, yeah. wild. It, it, completely wild. But yeah, the, the way in which there is no American dream without just, I mean, lightning striking. I mean, what, uh, otherwise the people with the money and the finances and the, again, you look at who makes it big in Hollywood. Who makes it big in Hollywood? Nepo babies. George Clooney, Rosemary Clooney's nephew, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's who makes it big in Hollywood. You know, Ooh, they don't uh, Jamie like it. Lee Curtis makes it. You know why? Because she's Janet Lee and Tony Curtis's kid. That's the, the, the thing that we sort of fail to sort of recognize yeah. a lot of times. They love to rationalize it, too. They're always like, well, you know, Vaudeville was a family enterprise, too. It's like, okay, whatever. Whatever makes you sleep better at night. Uh, Ellen Barkin's so funny in this. You mentioned uh, she is. her mom, and we haven't talked about Ellen Barkin specifically yet. Holy crap. Love everything that she's doing, and I'm like really interested in this character. Like, no one like Well, she like exists in interesting opposition to whatever uh, Kirstie Alley's character's name is, Gladys. She, Gladys, Gladys yeah. Le- Lehman. Uh, she like exists in such interesting opposition because she's this like, you know, functioning alcoholic uh, who lives, you know, in a mobile home and is yet like so much more supportive as a parent. Right. You know, is still like kind of driving her in weird ways. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still like putting these expectations of like, you have to do what I did. Right. You have to follow, you know, you have to, my, my path didn't work out, but that doesn't mean it didn't, it won't work out for you. Yeah. So they do sort of have this same, like trying to put your kid in a box thing. But there's just she's like, also got these sort of white trash kind of low expectations at the same time. If they ask you to take your top off, make sure they pay you first. Yeah, exactly. You, know, <laughs> you want to quit because you're preggers, you know, yeah, kind of yeah. stuff, it's, right? It's interesting the ways in which she's like, she's supportive, but yeah, she is still like failing. But I, I don't know, it's, it's she's just type of character that gets moralized a lot. Yeah. And like, the, it's fun to watch a, a comedy this silly, like find a lot of empathy for that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, who ends up with a beer can fused to her it's, hand, which it's is funny. funny. So good. And then her, oh, like, opening it with her hook later on after they <laughs> amputate. <laughs> Just a bit that, like, keeps delivering. Yeah. Truly. Oh, my God. And that's, that's I mean, just thinking about, like, the good comedy bones on this. So many of the bits are just, like, get introduced early and then, like, unfold as the movie goes yeah. on. Just, like, really good seeding of jokes. Yeah. yeah, really great stuff. And we don't need to, like, I don't want to ruin any jokes for anybody who hasn't watched the movie and is going ahead and listening to us talk about the plot and the themes. So mm-hmm. less said about that, the better. But, yeah, it's just and there's yeah, a ton going on. There were things, like, hot in the second watch that I just didn't notice in the first one, I think. I'm sure. I mean, yeah, I would doubt it. Because it's just a mile a minute stuff, which is so it's fun. Constant. Yeah. 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 Um. The you you talked about Amy Adams getting done dirty, and I think that that's a fair assessment. Like slutty cheerleader, stereotype. the most sexually active character ends up as an exact. But you know she's she's a dancer working her way through beauty yeah, she, school. I mean, yeah. she does yeah. find a sense of success. Sure, yeah. I don't think the film looks down on her for that either. No, I don't uh, think it does. But she does go missing in the Philippines. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. She's <laughs> she's like... finally gone, and you know, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's there's other stuff where it's like. The, I think a lot of the eating disorder stuff is right up on the line. It was Ooh, real close. There's to, a whole anorexia bulimia sort of wing of this hospital. It's so, that's, and that's it's right next bit. to the burn ward. Like the, the, showing that sign multiple times, like it never stopped being funny yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. 
But that character is like so tragic. Yeah. So yeah. sad. And it's it's very funny, but it's like painful. It's funny in a way that is and like I upsetting. I think they walk the, the line. That, that I, yeah. I get that it's supposed to be funny. And then yeah. I get that other people are laughing. The mo- me the whole time. It's like, oh, you poor thing. Yeah, I get it. I get and it. I think, but I think it does walk the line there better. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Then with then, like the Will Sasso yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I just I agree. don't see that there's a purpose for the Sasso thing. No. The, I think there's a purpose to obviously, you know, the, the toil of what a child goes through to have to go into the pageant life, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we've seen it, the sexualization at young ages. And right. The John the, and A. Ramsey yeah, analysis yeah, that's going on. The way that these children that, yeah. have to grow up and put themselves on display and have to maintain unhealthy habits typically. You know, she talks about like her two weeks leading up, she was running X miles a day on 400 calories yeah. and like, Ugh, you know, gosh, and yeah. I, nightmare stuff. Yeah. I think it is, it does really tempt the line and her coming out and then lip syncing as her nurse pushes it around is very funny. Extremely funny. And, but like, it is tragic. And I do think we really empathize like, man, this sucks. And I think the film knows how sad yeah. it is. And that's why it like is on the right side of the line. Yeah. And like, it doesn't know what it's doing with the Will Sasso stuff. Yeah. I, I, I just, there's never a justification for it in any way. You know, you kind of mentioned that maybe it's speaking to a trend of the nineties of using that word, but there's a way to do that without Mm -hmm. that character or portraying him in that way. Yeah. And we definitely like, we tie nationalism and ableism together, like within the first, like five scenes of the movie when Kirstie Alley, like parks in the handicapped spot. And is Mm -hmm. like, I says something like I'll move if a cripple shows up or something like that. And then immediately goes into like talking about how much he loves America. Yeah. And it is this just like, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a country that has the ADA, which is this legislation that like looks great on paper. And then you like look at how well we've enforced accommodated oh, yeah. disabled people since the passage of the ADA. And it's yeah. Like, mm. Not so great. It always comes back to this tension that I was talking about at the beginning of the show. Right. Like there's yeah. there's always a good idea in place. And then like a, a wing of people being like, nah, not nah, nah, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't apply to me. Doesn't, doesn't yeah. matter. I'm no, above that. Yeah. We're not going to mm, I'm not going to pay attention to that sort of thing. Small oh, like of wearing a mask. Anyway, um... Oh, gee, yeah. (laughs) I wonder if there are any recent current events that could tie into this episode. (laughs) I don't know. Huh. Speaking of current events, Kirstie Alley shoots a bunch of people at the end of this movie. Yes, she does. (laughs) Holy shit. Including a reporter for the sort of (laughs) striking lightning for Kirsten Dunst to become a reporter. When you were talking about, yeah, it all being about luck, I've, of course, started thinking about where... Uh, Kristen's character ends up she begins to be like the new co-anchor of the local news because the previous co-anchor gets shot yeah. by Christy Alley who is like having a post uh, her kid being stripped of the crown breakdown oh this is after she gets out of prison That's yeah right. it is yeah she's <laughs> God. her going to prison and like what is the what is the nickname that the person is it cinnamon yeah yeah come here cinnamon <laughs> what a god just like everybody hey, but she won a prison beauty pageant she did win a prison beauty pageant no she like, was first runner-up wasn't she that's right <laughs> you're so <laughs> right that better. is what it is god she doesn't quite win one yeah second place movie um but yeah like what an interesting again talking about this movie predicting the future like that joke's not funny if it's in a movie from 2023 correct correct. but it's really funny in a movie from 99 knowing where because we're just now starting to deal with that problem in 99 yeah yeah it's not like columbine had just happened in april yeah 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 it's it's like oh my god wow go another university of texas i can't believe that happened that was only 30 years ago yeah (laughs) just you wait oops that was only three days ago yeah yeah, so it's, it's so interesting. Again, like, we just stumble across these movies. Sometimes. I say stumble across. We pick these movies that have obtained these cult statuses, whether it's this or you know, Starship Troopers or whatever else we could mention. These these films that, like, get these long legs in, in the discourse. And we, we, we look at them, and it's just shocking the ways in which they, they understood culture and understood like what was coming yeah right you just kind of are well, baffled by it sometimes. there's this other 90s uh, i i think you know that we need to, that, that that we need to sort of augment your thesis about the 90s being the 50s there's this other radical 90s that's also under the you know sort of the surface just, here uh, just like the, yeah just like the 50s has the beat generation yeah, yeah right? correct yeah. yeah yeah and then they're and they're not they're not they don't love hippies no. Yeah. no, for sure. They they yeah. kind of hate hippies, but they do have this sort of beat generation, um, sort of Soylent Green, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Soylent Green. You know, uh, which is more 70s. But, you know, I, <laughs> just because the movie uses Soylent Green. It's so good. It, it, 
But they're, they're up to something. I, yeah. you, know, you look at 90 shows like Babylon 5 or Deep Space Nine and Science Fiction or the X-Files, mm. and there's this sort of deep suspicion of the status quo that's also at root working alongside this sort of uh, real drive contract of America, Newt Gingrich kind of version of trying to get the status quo back. You know, there's a, there's a simultaneous push and pull that's at work there. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's it's interesting, sort of the 90s as this moment where up until, you know, like Ruby Ridge and the Murrah bombing, you sort of have the left and right in this state of agreement of like, you know, the, the great enemy of the USSR is gone. And now we've entered uh, the end of history as was what's his name calls it. Fukuyama. Thank Francis you. Fukuyama. Um and and you have the, the the deep suspicion whether it's you know coast to coast AM being really popular in the nineties mm. or again the X Files, uh, just sort of the birth of like the modern conspiracy theory uh, movement. Uh, it's it's just really funny mm-hmm. and how like then it becomes a right wing thing after ninety five. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, the the conspiracy theorists are left and right. You yeah, know, up until that point. Yeah, 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 totally. And then it it really starts to transmogrify into something else that again that this film identifies this sort of this white rage that is just simmering Mm -hmm. and like exploding periodically Mm -hmm. uh that just like this this country has a a real a a real identity crisis that part of the country just doesn't know what to do about yeah and their solution is shooting at other people yeah and it's again not not funny Today, but uh, you know, in nine, you know, looking at a movie from '99, it, you there's enough removed that it, for me anyway, elicited just chaotic laughter. I mean, I'm, ca- <laughs> I'm just cackling like a madman as Kirstie Alley is opening fire on these people <laughs> because it is just like so insane and so not where I expected the movie to go. Right? Yeah. yeah. Just like non sequitur. I, I couldn't have imagined work. that that's where Drop Dead Gorgeous would end she up. This back returned baseball hat, yes. you know, tactical. <laughs> yeah, all tactical. <laughs> Tactical, like military surplus store yes, tactical, not like yes. real tactical. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Uh, she's defense, you know. Uh, she is defense. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's Michael um, uh, Douglas. Yeah, uh, ninety five movie by the way. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Uh, um, you know what? This is. I just wrote this down because of uh, just, you know a, a stray note as we were going through the movie, but drags art. That's, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Brittany Murphy's brother shouldn't have to go all the way to New York to do it. Yeah. He should be able to stay in Red Bud, Minnesota, or whatever the hell the town's called. Moose Snort. Moose Snort? I don't know. Mount. Oh, my God. I was thinking of the Sarah Rose competition. That's where I got Rose Bud. Mount uh, Rose. Mount Rose. Okay, I know. I, was, I wasn't too far off. Mount Rose. Mont, Mont Rose. I, I do think there's some brilliant, like, regionality to this as well. There's yeah. a, the way in which they are so specifically Minnesotan, you know, not just in the accent work from the various actors, which is not good. It's, no. it's caricature, but it's yeah. funny because it is so caricatured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, again, the Lutheran ideas of it, and like mm-hmm. Lutefisk, and it's good if you put a lot of butter on the it. The Lutefisk thing is oh, really but, funny. Uh, <laughs> man. Go uh, muskies. <laughs> The dude, Amy Adams' boyfriend and his friends just like going ham it all up. the time, yeah. just taking their tarps off and yeah. just like all the the stuff painted on their chests. Yeah, it's so good. So the movie written by Lana Williams or Lona Williams, uh, she actually grew up in Rosemount, Minnesota, of course, and yeah. she competed in uh, beauty pageants as a child. Yeah, of course. and so that's obviously, and they're shooting on location in some of these small parts of Minnesota that's as well. Awesome. Yes. So I think it really does tap into that. Yeah, very, that, very specific kind of Minnesotan kind of thing. Truly yeah. too specific to be made up, a lot yeah. of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the Lutheran G- Girls Gun Club, like that, that's a real thing. Yeah. That just is. I, you don't have to, yeah, I. that is, the things, it's just, the reality is dialed up just enough. Yeah. Well, you know? even like, it's funny, because even the girl, you know, she's that's so into sign language that she's happy to become. To become deaf, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is so what? funny. What a weird uh, yeah. But like, I've met a girl like like is just so into sign language. You know, that, yeah. that becomes like that's part big part like of it identity, a personality trait. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. so like, there's is like that. Everything's real here. It's just cranked to eleven, mm-hmm. just a little bit to make it caricature. Yeah. To to, to re- well, and I think that helps to keep it from. You know, as you said, the, this film kind of navigates the power dynamics of its jokes really well as far as not feeling like it's lashing out at 
a group that's already marginalized. Yeah. Uh, other than you know, it's sort of ableist yeah. problems. Yeah. Uh, well, we, and we, queer problems too. I think you know. Yeah, a it's bit. not without. You know, it's not as bad. It's definitely not like anywhere close to as bad sure. as the other stuff we've talked about. But sure. you're right. It's not without. It's it's sort of. I wouldn't go as far as to call it queer phobic, but it's definitely very nineties. Yeah. 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 But any, anyway, um, I might have lost a thread. Okay. We were talking to, well, I want to mention yeah. one last thing about empathy and cringe because okay. I was, I've been thinking about this as we've been discussing this and the ways in which, you know, we're thinking about uh, last year's winner and we're thinking about, Oh, that poor girl who just loves dogs and <laughs> you know she's barking i remembered what i wanted to talk about so this works actually oh, okay. i just want to talk more about the power dynamics of the comedy okay so that's, yeah. this is good because i think for me i th- that what cringe comedy's got to do is got is it has to be a, a way in which you can overcome your empathy with the comedy mm-hmm. the, the the sort of like embarrassment for and of these characters. And I think for me, it, 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 this movie was unable to sort of overcome the empathy to cringe, you know, embarrassment ratio. Interesting. Yeah. I think for me, what works is none of these characters for the most part are the subject of the joke. America is the subject of the joke. Sure. These people are just living their lives and they're kind of caught up in this thing that they couldn't possibly see the outside of it. And let's say, even if they tried, they might yeah. not see the outside of it. Uh, and, and I think that's what really works is, is just sort of the, the reality of the world that the film creates is consistent. And it's, you know, as, as Arthur said, it's, it spreads it around, you know, it's, it's got its eye on everybody, but again, like it, at the end of the day, the subject of the joke is like this larger culture yeah. that the, the, the film mm-hmm. identifies as being a, a problem. And I, I think that that's like its great strength is again like not taking the piss out of Tammy. Yeah, you know, or it's it's taking a piss out of a world that would deprive us of Tammy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, and I guess that's for me. That's that's what I would argue. But I get I get what you're saying though. Like, if your your first response to every gag is like just your empathy response for these characters, it's going to be really hard to get on board with this because this is a, a dark movie. Yeah, yeah, and it is not. You know, I mean, Arthur, when when Arthur, you brought up Assassination Nation earlier, I would honestly, that's like the first thing I've thought of as I've been thinking about this movie that kind of comes close to the tone. Yeah. And again, that's a much different movie tonally. It's it's less like broadly funny. Yeah. I but mean, as far as dar- the darkness goes, right? Yeah. 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 That's that's as soon as you brought that up. And the kind of breadth of what it does. Yes. Yeah. yeah again, it's like having a very broad, like. You know, it opens with that, what, the, the trigger warning, and mm-hmm. then it gives you everything up front. What yeah. it's going to do. Yeah. And it's, again, in a different era and more more decades spent under postmodern film, I think this movie has a, a, an opening more similar to Assassination Nation. Yeah. Because this film is definitely kind of aware. I mean, again, the whole reason it's a mockumentary, like, it definitely seems aware of media's role in all of this. Yes. Yeah. Especially, like, the, the fact that Kirsten Dunst's whole goal is to become the next Diane Sawyer. Yeah. Like those, the sort of the way in which we're telling the story of what is unfolding around us is kind of squarely within the film sites as well. Just Tom Lennon, by the way, we haven't mentioned uh, from Reno 911 in the state. He's the voice of the documentarian. Yeah. And just like, just a really kind of low key, very funny performance. The ways in which like he's, he's just like, "Uh, hold on. (laughs) He's just like the ways in which that character like pushes characters a little bit further. Yeah. yeah, is really funny to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, That's good. That's a good bit. All right. Well, let's render a verdict then on drop dead gorgeous. What do we say? Shelf or trash? First runner up or champion, I guess is the question. So I go to you first, Arthur, what do you say? Shelf or trash for drop dead gorgeous? Yeah, I think this is going to go on the shelf for me. Um, It's sits in a very, unique space for me as the kind of comedy I gravitate towards and what it's doing and what it's wanting to say and trying to say. And, you know, a couple of hard blemishes aside, uh, I really dig it. And that's one I think I will go back to, uh, pretty often. And it's definitely in the brand of humor that has shaped me, I think. All right. Very good. Very good. What do you say, Dalton? Shelf or trash? Yeah, uh, I think this is a pretty astonishing movie. Very funny. Uh, it's going to be, you know, when we get to the end of this year and we do our shelvies, yep. and we start talking about favorite discoveries. Yep. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be in that conversation. I just this movie is really good. And I it's cult. It's cult status is well earned. 
and uh, well-deserved. Um, I Though I find its commentary brilliant, I don't find it super rewatchable, personally. So, yeah. again, because the yeah. comedy doesn't comedy doesn't particularly resonate yeah. with me. You know? I think it's funny. I, mean, I, I want to crawl into the couch. Arguably the most subjective of genres yeah. outside of horror, probably. You know, when, yeah. when the, the girl is just talking about the, the bark of the beagle. <laughs> uh, you guys laugh. <laughs> I am, I'm sitting there mortified for this kid. You know, I mean, truly. Look, they use skin from her butt. They, she, and she <laughs> shows, butt. I just, uh. that, again, I just. The overshare is so funny. I, <laughs> I just want to die for the her. The dog's barking like a bigger dog. Yeah. It's so very, good. Okay, that just, is very funny, Just actually. that her talent is dog barks is <laughs> such a funny bit. I mean, so many of the talents. Uh, is that the same girl who has, when they're doing their, like, this is what I love about America. And hers is the the world's biggest yarn ball. Yeah, yeah. Right? I didn't understand I the assignment. Understood the assignment. <laughs> also, God, we talked about Zoomer slang the last two episodes. <laughs> way, way to like really predict slang. Yeah, uh, dropped in gorgeous. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> I thought about that during that scene. But uh, yeah, I get me, I get it. For me, I wanted to crawl in behind the couch and like just like peek between my fingers. I'm like I'm just appalled for her. So that's just me. I don't know. It's because he wasn't with us. Yeah. Uh, if I'd been with y'all, I might have laughed more. You yeah, guys, you probably. guys do make me meaner. So there that's is true. that. Uh, this movie, you asked Arthur if he watches with Keisha. Uh, I did watch this with Becca, and I was just constantly looking over her at her, like ah, <laughs> just, yeah. just mouth agape. Uh, definitely times where I was like hiding behind her because I was so deliriously uncomfortable. <laughs> so I understand like where you're coming from at least a little bit, Dustin. How do you feel about Drop Dead Gorgeous? You can let us know. GoodTrashGenreCast at gmail.com for that long-form feedback. That's GoodTrashGenreCast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think about this wild film. Uh, you know, also feel free to rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're, you know, we're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple. Uh, wherever you put this in your ears, it would you know, mean a lot to us if you t- took the time to give a star rating or whatever. Uh, it's nice. It helps out with an algorithm or something. Somebody told me. I don't know what to believe. Uh, speaking of bad algorithms, uh, you could go find us on Twitter at Good Trash Media if you want to. But I can't imagine why you would want to do that right now. Uh, we're not anywhere else really active on social media, though, so that's where I direct people. Last but certainly not least, though, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM and, uh, you know, help us keep the show alive and find out what's in it for you. Obviously, we got a huge back catalog of bonus content. Uh, we're not really recording or releasing any bonus content anymore, but there are fun tiers and fun packages for you. You know, we're not going to just take your money and not reward you. Uh, we can send you a, a DVD or a Blu-ray uh, based on a survey you fill out. We slide it into the Arthurtron 5000 and he figures out what you like in a movie. Uh, you just sent us something, because uh, my wife yeah. is a patron, and I'm trying to remember Frighteners. what it was. That's what it was. How did you come up with Frighteners? Because I looked at it, and I was like, I, Becky, you're going to love this. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but I know she's going to go for it. So everybody fills out a survey. Yeah. And I know, uh, I think her top genres are horror and comedy. Mm-hmm. And so just going, I always just, usually my first move is just to go through what's on Amazon's deals and Prime, you know, that are lower reduced or whatever. And just, you know, I think of that movie as just kind of an oddity. No one really talks about, but kind of, I don't even know if it's a cult classic. You know, I mean, it's in a I weird don't... space for Jackson and for Fox, because um, kind of the end of Fox's movie career and kind of the start of Jackson's film career yeah. mm-hmm. as so a mainstream just, director. Yeah, in the States. Yeah. Um, but it's one I've always just had, you know, I don't know that I love it, but A, Chi McBride is great. But also that image of the ghost in the wall is just iconic for me uh so bared in my brain mm-hmm. um but i just the horror comedy element because i you know yeah sure. i thought it'd be an interesting one i don't know if she had ever seen it no she was not had not <clears throat> heard of it and, and uh, so i just i don't know it just it strikes me as and, one of those movies i i want to tell people about you know and jeffrey coombs yeah yeah just man yeah, well yeah. And speaking of nepo babies jake Busey. Oh yeah, you know, sure. we, we look. Yeah. We're not going to stop giving Nepo baby shit, but we will also give them their flowers when they deserve them. And Jake Busey's, I love him. Uh, he's great. He's a fun guy. Yeah, my dad was a big fan of Frighteners. Uh, my birth dad, and uh, yeah, I, I was kind of surprised when I found out that this wasn't even a cult movie. Like it was just kind of a a movie that time forgot. Yeah, and I think it's starting to get reappraised a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I it was I've only haven't seen it since a kid. I was a kid, but I'm the Ghost on the Wall, Michael J. Fox's performance. There's a lot of stuff from that movie yeah. that's kind of seared into my mind. So yeah. anyway, if you want to be 
the recipient of a very good Blu-ray selection. Patreon.com forward slash GTM. You can find out more about that. Arthur, is it true that we're tying in with a theatrical release next week? Yeah, it doesn't happen often, but we're going to do it by popular demand of one person. Um, (laughs) We are going to uh, revisit one of Hollywood's great franchises for better or worse, <laughs> when we journey alongside Indiana Jones to look for the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That's right. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull next week, uh, brought to you by uh, local writer Lucas Dunn. Uh, Lucas wanted to be on the show and, uh, you know, one wanted to uh, be a defender for Crystal Skull as we're on the eve of Dial of Destiny. Yeah, Dial M for Destiny. Yeah. He just wants people Dial to D. know. <laughs> he wants people to know that we had it pretty good in 2008. And uh, we'll find out uh, how we feel. I haven't seen this movie since I saw it in theaters. I actually would, based on my earlier responses, probably defend it somewhat, too. I only saw it in theaters, so Same. I remember having an okay time, yeah. you know. I we'll we'll the, talk about all of Indiana Jones next week. much, I think, but I, I don't really recall much else. What's too much in an Indiana Jones movie? We're going to find out That's next a week. question. Yeah, so you keep watching. We'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time.